G'day and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain, oilseed and fibre markets. My name is Ethan Woolley and thanks for listening to episode 263. As we know, the dynamics of the cattle herd, both domestically and globally, impact everything from the flow of beef across hemispheres to the results we can expect at auction day at the yards. To talk about the impacts of what is happening with herd numbers in the US and how this will impact Australia's cattle industry in 2024, we welcome back Ripley Atkinson. Ripley is Australian Livestock and Commodities Manager for StoneX Financial, and he joins us after a recent trip to the US to discuss some of those benefits of the US herd situation for the industry. Before the episode, a brief update on commodity markets as of the 1st of March, 2024. Mutton and restocker lambs showed some resilience for the week, but prices across the board remain well below month-ago levels, and slaughter figures are still historically very strong. This level of production is set to continue, with Meat and Livestock Australia's projections for the year forecasting lamb production to reach record highs in 2024. In the US, corn prices are now below the cost of production, and there are plentiful supplies of cheap, new-season Brazilian soybeans headed to the US. As a result, don't be surprised to see some relatively significant shifts, especially in the more marginal counties in the US, away from corn and beans in 2024. In wool, the national total offering for the year-to-date is within 1% of the volume same time last year. Unfortunately, however, the value of this offering is $146 million lower, as the wool market continues to manage lagging demand and a reduction in the fine wool premiums. But to talk more about some of the good news for cattle markets in Australia, I'll hand over to Robert Herman and Ripley Atkinson. Well, welcome back to Commodity Conversations. Ripley, great to see you again. Thanks for having us, Rob. Great to be here. But you've changed a little bit because last time we talked to you, you were at MLA and um, you've got a lot of insights about what goes on there. But now just tell us about what you're up to now at StoneX. Yeah, that's right, Rob. So uh, I came across to StoneX in early December, uh, finished up with MLA and StoneX is a global financial services company. Um, originally specialising in ag commodities, but now operates across um, commodities broader than just agriculture, but also global payments, FX, uh, swaps and hedging, interest rate hedging. It operates in 80 different countries or 80 different offices around the world and uh, operates in six continents. So it's a massive global organisation, really connected and, and looking to connect clients and, and businesses to markets. So, um, yeah, my role now is to specialise in the, in the livestock side of, side of the business here in Australia. Terrific. Now, um, we happen to know that uh, as part of your early time at StoneX, they, um, you've just been back from the US, you've been across there. Uh, have a look at what's going on there, and I'm sure there's a lot of uh, work-related things, but you must have had a chance to have a look at what's happening in their cattle market. And we've been especially talking a lot about the emerging herd rebuild um, coming after their reported record low in US. Um, what stage do you think they're at, and how's that all progressing? Look, it's an interesting question you ask, and obviously Australians and the Australian livestock industry, particularly the beef side of it, has been you know, keeping a very close eye on this dynamic, um, you would nearly say for 12 months now at least. I spent, spent 10, 12 days over there, uh, got back on Tuesday, 
uh, just recently. So to answer your question, where where is it at at the minute? The first part of that that question I would say is the US has a really short window to decide whether to join cows or not. That's typically in their spring, which is our autumn uh, months of the year. When you move into winter, that opportunity is lost because of the harshness of, of, of the winters that most states over there experience. So the sort of the opportune time to join is just about now leading, leading into winter. There are a large number of regions that, you know, have had some reasonable rain. Winter has been a bit milder, which has supported some good pasture growth. Like the country looks not too bad considering it's coming out of winter. So you would say there's a little bit of optimism to rejoin uh, females, but the sense is that really the back end of this year moving into next year is when that will begin properly, simply because of the, the recovery land sometimes takes to get through drought or recover from drought, and that window is is quite brief. So if producers don't feel they have enough feed for, for cattle to get through winter, you know, naturally similar to Australia, their, their reaction is to step back and wait. So they're also experiencing pretty good prices, though, aren't they? I mean, if you're a cattle producer and that's your that's the game you're in, there's a bit of incentive to um, try and produce a bit more, I think. Very much so, yeah. I mean, already in the rebuild, the, the scary thing is, like, already you're seeing young cattle prices, you know, weaners sort of 200 to 280, say, 280 kilograms in our terms, are already averaging over $9 a kilo, Australian dollars lightweight, which in US money is 400, 400 plus cents a pound. So the rebuild hasn't exactly kicked into gear and gotten to that manic stage like we saw weaners get to $9 in Australia yet. And that's already where the market's at, which gives you a bit of an understanding about the, the intensity of the rebuild if the season went with the United States. Going outside of weaner prices, you're looking at 90, you know, 90 cell, um, US cow prices, they're already over 300 cents a pound, which is which is up above 800 cents uh, carcass weight here in Australia. So those markets already, both at the restocker and at the, the manufacturing or beef end, if you will, are performing quite strongly to kick off in the first seven weeks of this year. Now, we know um, for a long time we've known that, um, you know, our fortunes in Australia here are linked to the US. And of course, a lot of the work you did at MLA with your market analysis looked at all of this. How do you see the Australian market playing into this dynamic? I think the big thing and a lot of the takeaway I took from the United States was really the, the scratching of the heads as to where these feeder steers are going to come from. That seemed to be the biggest theme that I recognised, other than the, than the confidence of the producer and talking to producers at at markets and, and around the place. Other than that producer confidence in things are going to get better, it was definitely where, where are these feeder steers going to come from for the United States moving into the middle and, and second half of this year. So that to me indicates what does it mean for Australia? Well, demand for grain-fed beef has got to remain robust, uh, as you see continual declines in US, you know, grain-fed beef production. And then obviously... The other side of that is also, um, you know, finished stock. And as as US supply declines, which it has for the first seven weeks already, you know, cow and bull slaughter, et cetera, that's got to translate into improved demand from our key competitors um, or key market competitors we deal with, Japan, South Korea, et cetera, and the US itself to flow into Australian cattle prices here, both finished and feeder. So 
how are you seeing the Australian market then in context of that right now? When you think about it, I mean, the market started quite quite hot. I think it would be fair to say, you know, it, it had four or five weeks of 20 cent gains week on week and just didn't seem to, to slow down. The big thing that turned Australia's market around this year um, was the supply of feeder cattle coming out of, or, or supply of cattle in general, actually, coming out of the paddocks in Queensland. Those Queensland buyers had to come south into the, the southern markets to access stock because they it was too wet to muster all producers wanted to hold in Queensland. Once the sort of doors opened and, and Queensland producers could muster stock and chose to sell, that's when you saw prices come off the boil and sort of um, drop down a notch and then find a holding pattern. So that supply out of Queensland paddocks had a big reason as to why we've seen markets sort of pull up, if you will, in the first, um, you know, during February. Now, I'm talking to Ripley Atkinson today on Commodity Conversations, and Ripley is the Australian Livestock and Commodities Manager for Stonex. Um, I think people listening will know there's a fair bit more to you than that, and, and your time at MLA has obviously given you a lot of insights into the work that MLA does. What are your What's your take on MLA's latest projections? Look, Rob, I, I generally um, agree with with most of what they've they've delivered. I think they're they're quite accurate, and I think they're reasonably refl reflective of what um, I I personally believe this year will play out to be. I think their slaughter figure of seven point eight five millions pretty close. Um, I'm I'm in agreement with that definitely, and the production volume at two and a half million tonnes or 2.4 million tonnes will be the highest since 2015. I'm also of the same opinion that's where we'll get to. So production basically at decade highs. The two things for me that I sort of take a different perspective on would certainly be the herd size. I think uh, that the modelling has underestimated the influence of, of growth that you can tangibly deliver out of Northern Australia. The, the nature of the widespread rain in the north this year, right across, you know, the Gulf, all throughout the Territory and, and you know, sort of the northeastern part of WA has been nothing short of, you know, extensive, widespread and really solid. I think what we'll see is growth in the north will push that herd over 30 million head. Um, and the other thing to that is it's looking like this year is going to become increasingly wet, which to me suggests carcass weights will probably operate at, at the higher end of, of their suggestion for 312 kilos ahead, I believe they'll probably push push sort of more towards 315 plus, which in turn with solid slaughter volumes will mean production will, will push higher to that uh, 2015 figure as well. So that increased product production is going to be or it's some sort of a way on price. But is it all going to be offset by the demand and, and taking into account what you talked about that's happening in the US? Yeah, and it's it's a very interesting dynamic that we're now presented with is this, you know, this continually growing cattle herd that we probably haven't had to such an extent in, you know, in a very long time. Couple that now with the dynamic in the state sort of moving to the second part of this year and and the fact that their production uh, will have to decline. There's, there's, there's no other choice and you're seeing that happen already. I think what we know is consumers want and markets want high quality consistent supply of of good beef the world still needs to eat and australia at the minute when you think about prices um, of our livestock prices and and then step back and look at the global economy and think about the challenges some people are going through with inflation 
our product is very reasonably priced relative to the United States, both in the US and in the markets we compete in. Think about our weak dollar, which is good for exports, you know, and, and economies recovering and, and that middle class of consumer around the world demanding a good product. That, to me, points to a really positive year. Yes, there, there obviously is going to be that continuation of high supply of both finished and young stock. There's no question. It's just that's a product and, and that's the nature of, of the growth we've seen in the herd. But I'm still very optimistic for, for the year, regardless of obviously supply increasing, because the dynamics with the states, when that unravels and eventuates, points to the support of our cattle prices, which has been well documented, as, as we've discussed for some time. Now we love we love data, as you know, Ripley. Um, ABS has come out with their full year data. What's your perspective on what that all means? I think the big one for me is you know there was a lot of talk in twenty twenty three about processes' ability to deal with larger numbers of of stock, and that's that's not just isolated to cattle, but sheep and lambs as well. When we look at cattle specifically, you've had a 20% increase or a 1.2 million head increase in, in the number of cattle processed within 12 months. That says to me, processors are coping with these high numbers and they've managed to do it quite quickly, which is a credit, credit to that part of the supply chain. Um, and I expect that growth to continue this year as well. And I think the ABS data demonstrates and, and really solidifies the fact that they've managed. And when you think about double shifts coming online, improved efficiencies in plants, a more efficient labour force, more labour, that all to me points to a really a good continuation and a strong improvement again in 2024 of slaughter numbers. So we, um, we I guess it's fair to say, Ripley, that um, cattle producers and sellers are seeing a better result in the back half of the summer than they were in the springtime. But, um, and that's all very good. What's your outlook though, as we go forward now, what do you think is going to happen? You're not wrong about, uh, about a better outcome now than what we were say four months ago. I think four months ago was very much driven by confidence. That was a market that lost confidence that, that saw prices plummet, not, not the fact that we we're in the worst drought in a hundred years, which was what 2019 was. I think looking forwards and where the market moves now, I think it's probably found itself in a bit of a happy medium at the minute. You can certainly see this week it's sort of regained a few of its losses, but it's held quite steady. I think when you, you take that backward step and look further down, down the path of 2024, I think that the restocker market, if it rains, will find some support quite quickly. What... I'm not too sure about what I don't think will have a, an immense upward lift on uh, feeder and finish prices until the US dynamic changes is, is supply. I think you're going to continue to see good volumes of feeder and finish cattle, which is going to keep a bit of a lid on that, that adjustment or, or, or providing too much upward pressure on finished and feeder prices. But I think the restocker market, as you, you know, you've seen across even the markets this week, will find some support. Um, if and when it rains in certain certain parts. But I think generally the market's going to find itself in a better position. It's just important for the market not to get too caught up in the emotional aspect of it and allow confidence to dictate the fundamentals of, of what's in front of them. So I think prices will generally improve and, and generally um, be in a more steady state this year than what they were in 23. But 
that market confidence can can play a big role in seeing volatility. The last two quarters have been the most volatile period since records began for cattle prices, you know, going from decade lows now to, to, to re basically recovering all of those losses in a quarter. That was a lot to do with confidence of rain, of no rain and then rain. We don't want that continual volatility. It's it's not good for the supply chain. Um, and with the weather outlook and, and the nature of the US, the global economy is shifting and sort of improving, if you will, I'm, I'm quite optimistic for, for 2024 in the beef industry. Now, a lot of people in the industry know you from, from the time you spent at MLA and the work you did on the, you know, the outlook and, um, and the analysis from MLA. And you just mentioned about the volatility of the market. Now, just tell us a little bit about your role. We'll, we'll come back in a week or two's time to talk more about this, Ripley. But just tell us a little bit about your role at Stonex and how your uh, your company now is providing risk management solutions to people in the cattle industry. Yeah, thanks, Rob. So Stonex, as I mentioned, uh, began as, as an ag commodities risk management um, and, and financial services company. My job now here in Australia is to develop out what we're calling a cattle swap, which is a financial derivative. It's an over-the-counter derivative product, which essentially means it's used uh, to manage market and price risk of cattle uh, producers or supply chain participants may physically own to protect margin within within those cattle themselves. So if the market goes up or down, you're protecting the margin between the the buy and sell price of those stock to to basically remove the volatility and smooth out that that income um, throughout the trade or throughout the year of um, of when you receive that income. You would rather take twenty percent every time you sell than take 40% one time and lose 30% the next time. So the idea of the, the product is really to protect uh, margins in, in trading cattle or, or obviously, you know, if you breed them, then sell them on to another supply chain participant. And the derivative is used to run alongside those physical animals. So everyone would know who's been involved at Mercado and Commodity Conversations that we are, you know, really big on the need for risk management tools in the industry and uh, and we know how important they are in the US and other places. So Ripley, how would you, just to finish off on this, how would uh, somebody who's listening to this who wants to know a bit more, what's your advice to them? How do they actually get that information now? Yeah, so I think the best thing to do would be either to give me a call on 0427 796 uh, touch base with me on LinkedIn or flick me an email it's ripley.atkinson at stonex.com. So I'm about, um, I'm on social media on LinkedIn. Uh, give me a ring, happy to have a chat anytime. And um, I'd encourage people, even those who are just interested in learning a bit more to, to, to pick up the phone and give us a call because I think we all know we need it and we all saw what happened in 2023 and, and a lot of money was lost for a lot of people. Um, this product aims to assist, you know, all parts of the beef industry in um, sort of removing that risk and managing the volatility that the market now, you know, now carries. That's fantastic, Ripley. And the time that you've given us today and the insights you provided has been just terrific. Um, we'll certainly take up an off opportunity in a few weeks' time to spend a little bit more time in just delving into some of those products. And I know that Stonex has got a grain product that's um, coming on the market very quickly. Um, you and I catch up in a week or two's time up at Brisbane at the Argus Media 
launch. So um, I look forward to that. Thanks again, Ripley, and um, really appreciate the time you've given us today. Thank you. No, wonderful, Rob. Thank you to you and the Mercado team for the work you guys do. And thanks for having me. We'll see you in Brisbane.